What do many SaaS companies miss when it comes to conversion rate optimization? Here's what Fred Limpiard, Director of Growth Marketing at Plan Day, has to say. What I've seen is that many people stop after they convert off a trial or after they pay. And they kind of stop there and then just focus on traffic, 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 surface metric like converting to a trial. And then they don't really see, or well, are they churning, you know, after one month? Today, we're talking about CRO tactics specific to subscription-based software companies. I'm EJ Brown, Senior Content Strategist at FastBrain. We help SaaS and software companies scale around the world. And you're listening to the Growth Stage Podcast, where we share stories from global SaaS leaders that you can use to inspire new growth strategies in your own business. Hey, I am Nathan. I am the Director of Content at FastBring. I'm here with Fred. Fred, would you please introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Fred, or I go by Fred, but uh, I have a very Swedish name. It's Frederick uh, Lindfjord. But yeah, Fred will do. <laughs> cool. Fred, thanks for taking a couple of minutes with me today. I'm located in the US. Where are you cl- located in the world? So I live in uh, south of Sweden, Malmö, but I'm based and work in uh, Copenhagen since eight years back. Currently, I'm uh, the director of growth marketing, a company called Plan Day, a SaaS platform for workforce management. That's what I do in my daytime. And on my evening times, I spend that with advising companies such as FastSpring and others on growth and different types of marketing tactics. Can you give me just like a quick background, sort of like, what are you world class in? Like, what's your background and your experience? Yeah, so for the last, say, since 2010, so basically I started not in this field at all. It's quite a funny story. I was a musician, right? So going around playing with bands and uh, I was, uh, to be able to survive on that, I was doing a lot of affiliate marketing, you know, building blogs, sites, e-com sites, rank it on Google, selling other people's products to sort of get a passive income to go out and play, right? And uh, mm-hmm. as you get older and, you know, <laughs> music industry is hard to live by, I sort of moved into this field naturally because I've tried so many different type of things. So what range was that? Like what date range? I would say from the early 2000s, even before starting with web, starting with SEO, right? Going into testing back then when it was, uh, I don't think uh, no one even called it CRO even. I mean, basically just testing different things, uh, tactics to to get an edge. And then uh, around 2010, 11, sort of went into more professionally graduating and starting working for different types of businesses. I was going to guess sometime like 2005 to 2010. That was really the when affiliate marketing was all the rage yeah. uh, back in those days. So I remember those days too. <laughs> yeah, that was when you could put the, just a lot of text on your website and uh, you know have the font in the same uh, color as the background, put a lot of keywords in there. <laughs> yep. That was a long time ago, and yet not that long ago. Um, So I think what's interesting about that is you've sort of taken us to sort of the beginning of really like conversion rate optimization as a field really sort of was born out of that sort of A-B testing. Like it started right around then, right? 2008, 2009, 2010, really moving into that period of time when websites started to get more sophisticated, especially like SaaS and software kind of it has its origins in that time and you've been right there this whole time right yeah i mean definitely i mean i think back then it was all about testing a a blue button or a red button all these type of things 
<laughs> uh, and it's changed a lot now. I mean, it's uh, definitely harder and harder. Uh, you know, some of the practitioners in the fields, they're almost science uh, because it's just actually very, very hard to master that skill, really. And it's, it's going more yeah. and more, becoming a, a process, you, uh, you know, optimizing your process more than the tactic of it. Well, let's get into it then, because the, this is really what I was hoping we would start to talk about and why, you know, in, in, the, in the conversations we had leading up to this conversation, we started to talk about, like, what is conversion rate optimization for a subscription product? Is it just optimizing the buy button? It's not anymore, is it? And, and if it's not just that, what else is it? I mean, it's a really good question, right? Because... Uh, I think many might have a misconception that it's just, uh, you know, you, you go out and you run a ton of tests randomly, which is usually the worst thing you can do. I, I usually say that uh, sometimes the best, you know, A-B test is not to run an A-B test because it just takes a lot of time. It's quite, it could be quite complex. And the, the worst thing that can happen is that you end up with an inconclusive result, which means that you haven't even learned anything from it. So nowadays it's more about building sort of a, process and a methodology sort of where you consistently find the right IDs, create experiments, right? Uh, you prioritize it based on what, where you think the most highest business impact is, and you run the test, and then you do it all again, and you try to do that as fast as possible. That's what it's about. Give me a couple of examples of that iterative process and how that has worked in your career. It's kind of always worked itself like that for me. Like even when I was in affiliate marketing that I can remember, I always worked on the process. So instead of, you know, how many creating a WordPress site for a niche that I find, I tried to figure out how fast can I create a WordPress site when I have that niche so I can create maybe 10 of these sites over a weekend instead of just doing one, thereby making sure that I'm spreading the risk that I will hit one of them, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would say that would be the way when I look back at it. And for examples, it really depends on what type of business you're in, right? So if you're in e-com and maybe subscription e-commerce where you have like a lot of low value orders, but it's a high quantity, yeah, then you might want to try to figure out, you know, how can I get people more to buy? So the checkout optimization, uh, where can I find a big dense? localization, etc. Whereas if it's more B2B SaaS, it's really more about messaging, positioning, testing that. That makes sense. <laughs> Let me ask this question. It, for someone with a SaaS or a subscription software company, if you came you know, into that company and you're going to advise that company, and let's say that they were not a huge price point, but also not a low price point, kind of in the middle, and same with volume, meaning like it's kind of it's not like enterprise sales, but it's also not like $5 per transaction sales. Where would you start in trying to help them optimize that flow of converting people from when they first start on the site all the way to when they become like a high value paid customer? What types of things would you look at to start with? Where would you start to experiment? Well, it's, you kind of have to go back a little bit before the experiment and kind of looking at the data and, and just trying to find those patterns on uh, like what type of customers are closing faster and yields a longer lifetime value, right? Trying to find that pattern between those, then formulate sort of a hypothesis and idea uh, on how you can get more of those or how you can make it more easy 
for those type of people to convert and thereby then start testing different things. You know, you kind of have different types of levers to pull, right? You know, you can pull the converting into trial metric, but you can also pull the, you know, acquisition metric, right? So increase the traffic and then also during after a trial, you know, get them from trial to customer. So it really depends on where I see the highest potential that I can do as fast as possible and, and try to get those first. You mentioned three things there. So traffic is one lever, convert to trial is another lever, trial to paid is, a, is another one, and then churn being the last one. Yeah, yeah, churn the last one. Of those four, like, is there one of those that you find is like a consistently underused like lever, like an area where people don't spend enough time? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely what I've seen is that many people stops after they convert uh, off a trial or after they pay, kind of stop there uh, and then just focus on traffic, 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 you know, surface mm. metric, like converting to a trial. And then they don't uh, really see or well, are they churning, you know, after one month or are they actually staying? I've seen people miss that in companies because you can make you know, the same amount of revenue, uh, instead of increasing the trial conversions, you just retain them for, you know, a longer period of time, it would kind of even itself out. I think this is what we were getting at when we were talking before we start click record, was that there's more to it than just getting people to click that first button on the homepage, right? Like how CRO and conversion rate optimization for subscription products is it's just different than what CRO has been considered for a long time, especially just in the sort of e-commerce world. Is that accurate? Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's by far different from a, the traditional B2C e-commerce store where you, you, know, you buy a t-shirt or you buy something because it, there's such a high quantity there, right? Where you can actually really focus in on maybe checkout conversions, you know, playing with different things like free shipping, et cetera, where, you know, one small little nudge annually will actually be a quite a big yield whereas subscriptions it's it's more about that recurring revenue you know it's not about that one the first revenue you get in fact in many times a tactic that you can use in subscription is to actually give them the first month for free so it's much more about you know the continuous recurring revenue and keeping that making that as long as possible with various tactics what other tactics <laughs> So, so if I just ask you, like, what else should I be trying in addition to sort of one month free? Like, how else could I get more of that recurring revenue? Well, I mean, I think in subscription you have the classic ones that have been tried techniques that you know you see everyone is doing. Like, you have the classic one where you show your pricing plans, where you know if they choose, uh, you know, an annual plan to get twenty percent discount. Obviously, that will give you more upfront revenue, and you keep them for one year, right? But then I think also what you should be doing is, you know, once you, like, if you understand how people buy products and say that, you know, I'm researching this product, I want to try it out. Maybe I've tried a trial, but I keep want to try it. So I sign up for a monthly subscription, right? Your main goal should be to get them from that monthly subscription to an annual. Like that would be your one focus that you want to start with. And you need to kind of really, really dig in on those monthly subscribers, understand them, uh, understand what you need to provide them with in order for them to actually upgrade to a yearly, right? Mm -hmm. So that that is a focus area. And, you know, in terms of tactics, what you can do, yeah, you can do 
many different things. You need to kind of look into like what's the aha moment that is going to make this person like, yes, I'm definitely going to use this product. Doesn't make sense that I pay monthly. I I'm just going to upgrade, right? And those are the small little levers that you have to pay, and it's uh, it's hard to name like a few because it's really different from each business, right? So you kind of need to be, you need to know that there's no best practices that work. It's going to be completely unique for your business. So you need to have that process again, process to find that and find that as fast as possible. Let me ask it a different way. See see what you say. Like, what's a tactic that you have seen work in a specific context? to get people to make that switch from that early subscriber to an annual plan? So there's one thing I would say if you deal with, uh, well, sort of B2B, you can kind of like, if you know that a lot of people, they actually, you can see a pattern that they're using it a lot, the product, but they're still on a monthly subscription. You can kind of use, you want to look into, okay, so they're using it, they're not actively thinking of going into a one-year subscription because it just takes from their card. But if these people, you know, need to put in like a an expense report, a monthly expense report to their finance department, that's something that you can play around with. And, you know, hey, we've seen you, uh, you know, do this monthly charge must really, you know, be painful to do these expense reports. Why don't, you know, we give you 20% discount and we'll kick you up to the annual plan and you'll get this, this, and this as well. And actively sending that out, email offer or something like that. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. That one would work on me (laughs) for a few things that we pay for. (laughs) Um, Very good. So how else would, talk to me more about like the difference between what, traditionally has been thought of as, as conversion rate optimization and how that is different for like SaaS companies or a subscription software product? Well, I think traditionally CRO or A-B testing is that it's just been this no process or anything like where you try all these different things like small pointless things like blue button or green button and, and all these different things that doesn't really make a big dent especially if you're a B2B SaaS company, it's not even about the button. It's about the messaging. The one thing that I say, if you're B2B SaaS and you have a longer types of sales cycle, you have a trial, you need to be testing copy. You need to be testing messaging. That is 90% of the tests that I would run. It's basically fine, you know, working with the different functions from product marketing to product you know, digging up insights from your customer support cases or reviews on tracks and trying to like find really good messaging and unique selling points and test those out. So tell me more about that. How, how am I doing that in email? Am I doing that on the web page? Am I doing that on the first page people see behind the trial sign up? Like where can I experiment with things? Here's what I think is important to understand. You need to look at everything from the first touch, whether that would be an ad or a blog post coming in from SEO Mm -hmm. to the part where they move down to that kind of buyer's journey, you know, they, they, okay, 
I'm getting attracted to other content. I'm coming back. Now I want to find the features. I want to know what benefits and how it solves my problem. And then in the end, you kind of like being able to, it makes sense for them to start a trial. So you kind of need to look at it across that funnel. And you want to kind of, I would say, move away from, you know, let's get them to download a white paper uh, and give us their email address. That stuff is, uh, is starting to go away. Why do you think that doesn't work out? Oh, someone destroyed it for us. I mean, there's just so many people that just ask for email addresses. And then what they gave you was just complete crap. No value in terms of content. So it's kind of ruined it. For everyone. Content like, people. Yeah. <laughs> content I mean, people I mean, wrecked it. <laughs> no, yeah, As a content I mean, person, I will own that. <laughs> but it, but to me, it's just important to also emphasize there's there's a difference between content people and people who create content yeah if that makes sense and i mean that in the best way because you know the one thing i say when you create a growth team you need a kick-ass content person (laughs) copywriter or something that that understands that i'm going to work on a piece of content get actually the company your own organization i'm going to work on a piece of content it's going to take a month it's going to provide a heap of value and i'm going to give that away for free that's going to be a hard sell in most organizations to, mm. you know, C-levels, et cetera. Uh, they're going to come with, come at you and ask for, oh, well, you got to gate it, you know, so we get their email address and that's stuff that you have to fight, fight, fight against. <laughs> Maybe it's off topic yeah. now, but yeah. For sure. That's, that's, uh, no, I think, I think to, to bring it back, uh, what are, what are some, like, what are some examples of things that you've done where you were just kind of working with messaging and you saw, like a really big impact? That is a good question. I don't have a specific example now, I think uh, in terms of what worked, because it's more about doing a lot of these tests uh, and continue doing it, double down on tests until you kind of find what resonates, right? Mm -hmm. And and then you kind of have to understand also that all these parts your channels, your, you know, your model and product, the market, they're moving parts, they're not static, which means that once you saturate the channel, when you go in a channel to get your traffic in, and you're using messaging, that channel can be saturated, which means that the messaging might not work anymore, because the people that you're talking to, you know, are not getting that message anymore in that channel, which means that you need to figure out a new type of messaging, you know, so everything kind of evolves. It's just about not standing still in the end right. and trying different things. I would say one thing that I, that one can try to do is also try to personalize it by various tactics, personalize your website. So you can kind of change the experience based on who is on your website. And there's various techniques that you can do to uh, accomplish that instead of A-B testing uh, different messages. Instead, you kind of just trying to show different experience to people based on who they are, even before they convert. What types of things can you do? Like, I think that there is so much in that space that is maybe not even well known yet because it's a lot of it is pretty new. Um, some, of it, some of it's been around for a while, but what can I do to change what people see on my website based on who they are, or where they're from, or what I know about them? So it depends really about the business, but some 
businesses have different verticals. You might have a, a company. I have experienced this where, yeah, yeah, we want to we want to reach small customers, right? That's what we want to do. But we also want to sell to mid market and enterprise, uh, which doing those three things is is a recipe for failure, right? But that's not always uh, the reality that you can you say like, hey, no, we we should only focus on one. So what you can do is, all right, we have a website. Well, let's try to figure out how we can spot the mid-market customers. Yeah, so there's actually technology that you can use on your website to map who's there to actually what company and industry they're on. And then also change the website. So if it's a mid-market company in there, I'm not going to show the free trial button. I might show a view a demo or book a demo. Whereas the rest of them, the theory would be that they are a bit smaller. I might want to just send them into a free trial. So like mm-hmm. differentiating uh, them on the website in a good way by using like website personalization. Uh, they'll take you some part, some ways. I've seen that done in a couple of ways, not not even through technology. Like sometimes I've seen like you just you land on the on the page and it'll ask you like, are you this? Are you a small customer? Are you in it? Like, depending on what I click, it takes me to a different experience. So, some of that can work. So, but you were talking about doing it in an automated way, like where there's technology driving it behind it. What tools are there that I could sign up for? <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely different tools that can that can do that. I think they go under the category intent tools. You would have tools like Albacross, Lead Feeder lead forensic that those kind of things where there's basically a, a big database yeah and you so you map the ip the ip uh address right to that database and it gives you back sort of a a company name but you can't really you can't only be doing that because you know obviously with covid and etc more people are home right so so you might not be able to map but you know people are might be using vpns and stuff so uh, so you kind of have to test that to see if it works. For some companies, it might work really good. For others, they might not get any traction uh, on that technique because you know their target audience are just not covered by it. They don't exist in any database, right? Right. It's a test approach. You kind of have to try it out. What about like localizing stuff? Can you? Can I localize? I know I can, but I I want to see what you have like what experiences you've had with that. Like because. Depending on where people are, I can change what people see on the website and in dif- different areas of the website. Has, has that worked for you? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same thing where where you want to, you know, the messaging in a country. Let's say you have, you're, you're targeting different markets, right? Or industries in different markets. You know, it's in, you know, that messaging is going to be different. That's why it's, you know, so important that you have a, a native content writer or even a subject matter expert in that field helping you, right? I know, for instance, when I work Capture One, I would use Upwork for freelancers, right? So Capture One is a photo editing software, right? So I would want to find basically a photographer or a copywriter or a copywriter that has a passion about photography in mm-hmm. that country. So if I would translate it over to Spanish, I would find like a, maybe a journalist student that loves uh, taking pictures in Spain. And I would want that person to write my copy and content or translate and localize it. 
I love that tactic. How do you do that so that you know who you're sending that that information to? Is Does that change what people see on the website? Is it what they get through email, depending on their location? How are you targeting people in that without those different messages? I think maybe for this reasoning, it's just, you know, if you have a Spanish version of your website, right? You would want to do that for Capture One. And that sense our whole website was about photography and photo editing, right? Whereas in Plan Day, where I am now, there's multiple types of personas in play for different industries in different countries. You know, you can have a coffee shop owner, you know, that has five employees, but you can also have a Starbucks where there's 5,000 users. So there's so many different layers and then it becomes trickier and harder, right? And that's where you need to prioritize really based on, uh, okay, where do I see the most value that I should focus my experimentation efforts at a certain time, right? And that would be, you do that by potential revenue, I assume. Yeah, exactly. You know, all these different parameters, you know, how hard it would be to reach them, how long are the sales cycles, how hard it would it be to close them. So yeah, there's so many different parameters in play. <laughs> tricky, right? Can I localize like currency, stuff like that in within the checkout process? Yeah, definitely. I would say that that is, I mean, if you're in subscription and e-com and you're selling globally, that's kind of where you want to start if you want a quick win. With Capture One, I think, you know, from when I started where we had a kind of a home-built solution we offered, you could pay with American Express, MasterCard, and Visa in either Danish, Krona, or Euro, or Dollars, XVAT. That is a very attractive situation for a guy like me because I know that if I would, for instance, put in a solution like Fastbring, where I all, all of a sudden goes from three uh, currencies to 25 or something and local payment methods, that is like a very attractive test to do. Because that's really, you know, especially when you do sort of the, that type of subscription business where you have many transactions that are of lower value. Uh, I think we've charged 299 US at that time. It becomes kind of uh, more important there again that they need to understand that it's safe and secure. Uh, I can pay with my card. I can use my local payment method. You know, if it's so forth for Germany or if it's Alipay or whatnot, right? That is actually something where you can really, really gain a lot of good return on investment. So, I mean, that would be like a basic thing. I would do it immediately. Just to clarify, you're saying if, if a SaaS or subscription business wants a quick win to increase the overall effectiveness of their of their funnel, one area to look at is, is localizing currency? Localizing currency and offering local payment methods, and then also a, a localized checkout. Hmm. If you are a company that you have a product, you have traffic from different countries, like you know all these things then it's almost a no-brainer. You don't need to do an A-B test or anything. You just need to go and implement pretty much. So Fred, tell me, you know, as we as we wind this down, like what's a big failure story that you had <laughs> from your career? Um, something you tried that you thought was going to be great and you just, you looked at it and you're like, wow, like that didn't work at all. <laughs> uh, I would say uh, 
so many, right? I would say that may maybe I now I get my intuition might give me that I might get fifty percent, sixty percent right. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's so many times in my career where I've been running tests where you know I think like oh, this is beautiful, it's great UX, clear understanding, and I put it to test, and then the ugly. <laughs> the ugly form or page, whatever, converts higher, right? It kind of makes you a little bit humble. You kind of have to check your ego at the door. Like whatever you think might work, it probably won't. That's why you have to just test it and see what your how your customer thinking. It's like right now at Plan A, we have people uh, that wants to log in, signing up for a trial for some reason. Why? Every it, it every SaaS business sense. has that, and it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. So let's speak to the SaaS, the SaaS owner out there, or the SaaS, the person who owns the website at a SaaS or software company with a subscription product. Give me one or two things that like you really want that person to know about conversion rate in the full funnel converting people across the whole experience like what's what are a couple things that they really really like they should take away from this interview a couple of things that i think when it comes to SaaS b2b is that what i said before that your messaging like the copy of your messaging getting that right and tirelessly trying to find out how your customers work and working on that messaging obviously uh, connecting it with your product, right? And making sure that they all they succeed in their product. But I think that one is very... People don't spend as much, as much time on that that they should, on the messaging and positioning and all, all, all that type of things, right? Because a lot of these categories, they get crowder and crowder and crowder, right? So you really need to stand out. And you also need to make sure that you continuously also work on the product to kind of find your type of niche and where you want to play and then also (laughs) really building working on your content you know also testing that part well fred we have one more conversation we're going to have so we will do a whole other episode about churn (laughs) because you have a story to tell there we held that one yeah because it deserves (laughs) its own episode (laughs) so if you're listening to this and you want to hear more from fred about churn um It'll be in the next in the next episode. But Fred, we will put your LinkedIn in the links wherever this video is, below, beside, in the notes, <laughs> so people can connect with you. Is there anything else that people should know? Connecting with you on LinkedIn is a good place to send them, right? Yeah, definitely on LinkedIn. I please connect with me. I love to engage and talk with uh, you know like-minded spirits and trading insights, etc. So please do. Thanks for coming on today, Fred. Thank you so much, Nathan. <laughs>